Remember back in the days when we used to trust scientists without question? I was born in the 80s. And in the 80s and 90s, you know, a scientific study found something. We assumed that was the absolute truth. Something's changed since then, hasn't it? These days, the anti-science movement is more than just a few freaks on the fringe. It's actually quite a large range of people ranging in how much distrust they have for science or the, for the scientific community. In today's video, I want to address why this is happening in an effort to bridge the gap between the scientific community and the general community. This is Brojo Online. Masculinity, confidence, and integrity. There's something that we need to make clear right from the outset. Being pro-science, pro-scientific method, is not the same thing as being in agreement with scientific consensus or scientists themselves, the human beings. Science and scientific method, like in my opinion personally, is the best system we have for finding the truth. The very best and nothing comes even close. It's about as good as we're ever going to get, probably, in terms of finding the truth. I am very much pro-science. But scientific consensus, which is human beings, scientists, coming to an agreement together, that is open to fault and failure. That can be biased. That can be wrong, as I'm about to demonstrate. And so while I personally am pro-science, it doesn't mean that I believe everything scientists say. And I wish I could. And I want to talk about why I don't anymore, why I've lost that trust. And I think I represent a lot of people and how we can get that trust back. Flies are annoying. I'm going to give you some examples as to why the trust in scientific consensus, the trust in scientists as a community, has been eroded over the years. And I'm going to include links, citations and sources to back up everything I'm saying. Nothing I'm saying is made up. And the links and sources that I'm going to provide are from scientific journals and sources. Polio, when it first came out in the very late 1800s, was treated with barbaric leg constraints and brutal forms of physiotherapy, leaving the sufferers often crippled for life or at least having to be treated for many years away from home. This was the agreement of the scientific community as to how polio should be treated. The scientific community actually resisted, mocked a sister, a nun, who recommended a more gentle form of therapy, and that actually ended up becoming the form of therapy that people use to treat polio, and it actually had a huge impact on the concept of physiotherapy forevermore. Who remembers the thalidomide scandal? Pregnant mothers were recommended a drug called thalidomide, and it was based on the idea that the scientific consensus was it can't cause any harm to humans. We had a whole wave thousands up to 10,000 babies were affected and they were severely deformed for life because of that recommended treatment. It was five years that this was being recommended before anybody made the link that it was the cause of the deformities that they were seeing. About 50 years ago it's been established that the sugar industry, big sugar, which sounds very conspiracy theorist, quietly paid a number of scientists to shame fat 
therefore leading people to be recommended a low-fat, i.e. high-sugar diet. It was later found that fat is actually quite fine. It's a necessary intake for the human body. There's nothing wrong with eating fat, and it's actually eating sugar that's totally poisonous for us. The obesity epidemic happened after this. People weren't that obese before fat got shamed. There was scientific consensus that fat is bad. And it was that way for many, many years. And that consensus was based on corrupted scientists. In the United States, they have an opioid crisis. Why? Because the scientific consensus for mental health treatment was to prescribe opioids. And they've done more harm than good. Simpler, more natural treatments like getting lots of exercise, eating healthy, spending time outdoors, socializing with people. These are poo-pooed by the scientific community as some outdated, barbaric approach to life. And medical pharmaceutical treatment is really the way to go. And yet the evidence clearly shows that quite often the recommendation of psychiatric medicine can do more harm than good in the long run or just keep somebody in a holding pattern where they never really recover and they're dependent on the medication for the rest of their lives. Hardly a cure. And of course, more recently, and this is where it's really come to a breaking point, the whole COVID vaccine thing. It was advised by the companies making the fucking vaccine that they were 95% effective in completely preventing a person from getting COVID. And this was supported by both the scientific and the political community. And so people went out and got themselves vaccinated, expecting it to be like any other vaccine to protect them from the illness. The evidence has later shown that at best, it reduces the harm of the symptoms. That was a lie. It's not to say that the vaccine is bad and that it's worse than COVID. But it is to say that the scientific community lied. There are other issues with scientific consensus in the scientific community. One that was pointed out by Yuval Noah Harari in his book Sapiens is the unbreakable relationship between science, capitalism, and politics. There is no scientific study on earth that isn't in some way funded and that funding's got to come from somewhere. And it doesn't come from noble philanthropists just trying to find out what's best for, for humanity. It comes from governments and corporations. They pay for studies that they want done. That doesn't mean that the studies are necessarily corrupted, but it certainly opens the door wide for that to happen. It certainly puts a lot of pressure on scientists to find certain results that they're getting paid to find. But if nothing else, the choice of what gets studied is clearly biased by this. For example, midwifery, the delivery of babies, the correct process for pregnancy has barely made any leaps forward in centuries. Why? Because it's not a profitable thing to study. Whereas certain elements of engineering and other pharmaceutical treatments that are very profitable have made huge progress over the years. Why? because those are the studies being funded. Studies are expensive. And you, uh, a scientist is essentially a form of beggar. They have to go out with their hat in their hand and saying, please, can I have some funding to go study some shit? And the people who say yes, say yes with conditions. This is what I want you to study. This is what I want to be found. Pressure, pressure, pressure. 
It takes a lot of integrity to go and do that study and come back and say there were no significant findings, I've wasted your money. With just a few movements on the graph or in the spreadsheet, you can say, oh, I found something significant, just like you wanted. The temptation for corruption is very much there. And before you accuse me of some sort of conspiracy, I've been a research assistant. I was in a study where I was told by the lead scientist to delete certain outliers of data so that the study found a significant correlation. I was told to corrupt the data because otherwise, if I included all the data, the study would have had no significant findings. I've been right in the thick of the action, and this wasn't even a big deal study. This wasn't some pharmaceutical company or some goddamn government telling you you're going to be in trouble if I don't see what I need to see. Right? I can only imagine how often this happens. One of the biggest problems we see with the scientific community right now is how much they mock and deride the general public for following rogue scientists, for following uh, doctors and scientists who don't go with the mainstream uh, scientific consensus. You seem to be forgetting something. They're doctors and scientists. You qualified them. You, the scientific community, they're part of you, not part of us. When we trust someone because they have the word doctor in front of their name, that's your fault, not ours. You can't say, oh, look, you shouldn't trust that doctor. How are we supposed to know which doctor to trust? How do we know that he's not the one telling the truth against a grand conspiracy of lying scientists? Well, there's been conspiracies of lying scientists before. It's beyond doubt. You've published the articles about it yourselves. And then you mock us for trusting these wackos. Why don't you strip them of their doctorates? Why don't you debunk all their studies? Why are they allowed to get away with this and then we trust them and then you tell us we're wrong? Look at Andrew Wakefield. He was the scientist who put out the very poorly done study that said that the, uh, MMR, uh, what is it? the MMR vaccine causes autism, basically. He had a tiny sample size of 12 women. It was a shitty study, a study peer-reviewed and published in the Lancet Journal. Okay, that is a revered, well-respected scientific journal. And we're the ones who are supposed to know that that's a fraud. You're the ones who peer reviewed it. You're the ones that let him keep saying, I'm Dr. Wakefield. Then we have other problems that are actually lesser known to the public, but they're going to become known. And they're bigger problems again that are going to undermine the trust in the scientific community. One of those is the lack of reciprocal studies. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with scientific method, a key element to scientific method is that once a study is peer reviewed and published, the scientific community is supposed to go and repeat that study. Other people are supposed to try and reproduce the results or try to break the study. They're trying to prove that it's wrong. That's real scientific method. You don't just say vaccine cause autism. You go get another scientist says, I don't believe you. I'm going to find out and see if they get different results. The trouble is there's no funding for these studies. The corporation just wants their one answer. They're not going to go and fund scientists to prove that answer wrong when that answer is profitable. That wouldn't make any sense business-wise. Governments roll in and out every three or four years. They don't have time to stick around to prove something. They get the answer they want. They move on to the next policy. It is very rare for studies to get repeated. And yet that is a critical part of the scientific process. So a study gets through the peer review board 
which just like Andrew Wakefield's study did, and nobody checks up on it. Now, Andrew Wakefield's study's since been debunked, but that was because people like Jenny McCarthy made it a big deal. The scientific community were like, oh, shall we better have another look at that one? And you're telling us it's our fault that that happened? You guys should have been checking this shit. Another issue, and this one's more specific to the field of psychology, of which I'm a part. I wouldn't call myself a scientist. I don't have the qualifications, but I'm certainly somebody who works in the field of psychology. Nearly every psychology study you've ever heard of has a couple of problems. One is most of them are self-reported polls. Okay, They're just people filling out forms, giving whatever answers they want to give, with very few measures to prevent dishonesty. So they're basically nonsense. Nobody really knows how they are. They just have an image of themselves. So when they fill out a form, it's the preferred image of themselves that they answer for. They have selective memory and all sorts of biases that prevent them seeing how they really are. So self-report studies are basically fucking worthless. And yet most psychological studies are self-report studies. The other problem is the sample size. Have you ever sat there and wondered like, how come I've never been asked to be in a study? Well, you're not alone. Most people have never been asked to be in a study. You know why? Because that special spot is reserved for university students. A vast majority of psych studies are done in universities by university professors and the sample is university students. Do university students represent the grand whole of humanity? I'd argue fuck no they don't. I've been to university, it's a weird little world, it does not represent the grand majority, okay? A Chinese rice farmer is not well represented by an American philosophy student and yet the Chinese rice farmer is never in the study. They're never included, right? This is a problem because these studies come out generalizing for all humanity. And then pharmaceutical companies get those studies and recommend treatments. And then we have the opioid crisis. The opioid crisis could easily be explained by what works best for nervous uni students. Put them on medication, right? If you were to go to, say, a West African tribe and see how they deal with mental illness, you're going to find a much better long-term treatment plan that has nothing to do with medication and is all about socializing and activity and being outdoors, right? But they're not in the fucking studies, are they? Ever. Almost ever. And then a more recent issue that really stands out is hand-holding with politicians. We've never seen this, I think, as much before as we have with the COVID issue, the pandemic, though we did see it in part with the global warming issue. But the global warming issue originally started as a genuine, I think, a genuine attempt by governments to try and prevent global catastrophe. You know, scientists in their 70s and 80s, when they were funded to have a look at this stuff, it was like, please solve the problem, not give us results that we can use to win the election. These days, it's not so sure. We have a lot of doubt about why politicians are presenting the information they are about climate change. But more importantly is the one with COVID. We see literally on stage, you will have the prime minister and their hired scientists saying the same thing, holding hands in terms of delivering something that has a murky crossover between science and political policy. For example, vaccine mandates. Vaccines are science, mandates are politics. But we have a scientist recommending a mandate and we have a politician recommending a vaccine. 
it seems like the crossover is hard to distinguish the two. Now, if you want to do that, that's fine, but it means we will only be able to trust you, the scientist, as much as we can trust the politician because you're saying the same things and never disagreeing with each other. That's a big problem for us because we don't fucking trust politicians at all. We don't trust corporate media anymore. And yet you're the ones going on corporate media using that as your sounding board. How are we supposed to trust you when you're holding hands with these corrupted, untrustworthy sources of information? All right, it's not a conspiracy theorist thing to say that politicians are full of shit. They always fucking have been. And now you're holding hands with them and saying, no, this time they're telling the truth. They're literally paying you, right? These are, these are scientists being hired by the government. This isn't some conspiracy theory. We know that you're being paid by them. How can we trust that you have the cojones to say, oh, by the way, they're wrong about the mandate. They shouldn't do that, right? Who says that to their boss in front of an audience? No employee says my boss is wrong when they're public speaking in front of the media, right? So how can we trust that you'll do it when it needs to be done? And because you never fucking do it, we assume that at some point you're compromising your integrity because there's no way a scientist and a politician agree 100% without any deviation. So when we see 100% agreement without any deviation, we go, somebody's full of shit. And we know the politician's full of shit, but now we start to think you are too. How are we supposed to trust you with these factors? And a final one that I've seen come through, which I think is the real nail in the coffin for scientific consensus, arrogance. I follow a lot of uh, kind of high profile scientists on Facebook. I, as I said, I've always been pro-science, really, always have been. And so my Facebook feed is full of science pages. I love hearing about the latest articles. I love weird stuff that happens around the world, you know. And so I follow these people. But lately I've made the mistake of going into the comment section. There's something that always happens in the comment section of these groups. You get a religious or anti-science person go in there and make a stupid statement, right? Stupid comment. They go in and say something ridiculous, usually in all caps with very bad grammar. How the community and the person running the page, the scientists themselves, often responds is with pure mockery. Just this high-handed, arrogant bullying of this uninformed person. And the community does the mob pile on things. So usually you'll just see this mass of internet bullying follow these stupid statements, just an attack. And you think that's gonna bridge the gap, really? You think being arrogant is scientific? You think being completely close to the idea that you might be wrong is in line with scientific method, right? Remember that nun who came up with the different treatment for polio? If you could take her and put her into comments form, she would look like those crazy people that comment. It would be all caps and there'd be a lot of Lord Jesus and so on. Turns out she was right though. That doesn't mean all the crazy people are right, but one of them might be. For you to mock them and crush them only pushes them further away into the extremist camp with all the other extremists who have been bullied by the scientific community. Now, that's the thing with the internet is now the nerds can do the bullying, right? You finally get to get back at all those people that hurt you in high school. That's not scientific method, unfortunately. And it just makes you look terrible. And I'll name names. There's three pages you can go and look at to see this happen. One is uh, David McAfee. He's actually not so much scientist as he is uh, atheist. 
but it's in line with, with scientific consensus. He often promotes scientific ideas and scientific consensus ideas, say about transgender and so on. Watch how him and his community respond to somebody who disagrees or even just questions it lightly. Uh, Babe, you can go look up that one. Check out just the flavor of the posts in terms of the tone towards people who aren't quite scientifically literate yet. The people who have been let down by the education system and don't get it. Watch how they treat those people. Uh, and Dr. Anna's Emporium is another page I follow. A little gentler, a little more reasonable, but again, go into the comment section, just watch what happens when somebody who doesn't understand science has the temerity to say anything. Watch the pile-on that happens. And even if the scientist running the page isn't particularly bullying, the fact that they allow this kind of bullying to happen without any intervention shows that they condone it. It's not like they don't read the comments. Everyone reads fucking comments on their own pages, right? So there's this online community feel where the, the pro-science people are like, everybody else is stupid and we're awesome. That's not scientific. Scientific is we could always be wrong. That's scientific. And you're not doing that anymore. You're saying we're definitely right. Well, you were wrong about the vaccine. Turns out it's not that effective. And that was just the other day. Maybe you could be wrong about other shit too. That's the whole point of scientific method. I might always be wrong. In fact, I probably am. Better go find a better answer. You're not doing that anymore. You're just going with, hey, we put that out in the media. It must be true. Everybody else is stupid. Well, that's how you divide people. That's how you polarize people into extreme camps. And that's why you've got such a strong collaborative anti-science movement now you've bullied them all into being a team together good fucking move like the people who mock joe rogan fans you remember joe rogan's interviewing people who have the term scientist in their title and doctor in front of their name you're the one who made these people they're the ones being interviewed and they get to keep that title then you mock Joe Rogan, who's better at communicating with his audience than you are, better respected than you are, more loved than you are, better trusted than you are. You shouldn't be mocking him, you should be learning from him. He knows something you don't. And if you're not careful, he's going to take over as being the main voice of reason. I actually prefer listening to him than I do to scientists. Okay? And I'm pro-science. Imagine what an anti-science person's going to be like. You should be siding up with Joe, saying, let's talk. You've got an audience. We've got the information. We're strong here. You're strong there. Let's combine forces. Instead, you're going, oh, he's a fucking idiot. And all he does is get paid more hundreds of millions and gets more millions of followers. And you're, you just look weak. You look weak when you mock Joe Rogan. You just look pathetic. Cancel culture against naysayers, mocking and deriding the people who don't understand science yet or don't trust you for very good reasons, that does not help your cause. It might make you feel better, you might pat the other scientists on the back and go, look how smart we are, but you're losing ground. This is not smart politically. You are losing the fight by telling yourselves you're the winners. You need to humble yourselves. You need to admit something. You've lost trust with a very significant portion of the population. And this is a very dangerous situation for us all. If we can't trust you, where the fuck are we going to get our information from? I don't know, but I know it's not going to be good information. 
you can't shut down open debate and still call yourself scientific. If somebody's out there questioning the vaccine, you should be holding a press conference with anti-vaxxers saying, let's talk about it, not mocking them from behind the safety of the internet. You need to find a better place to get your funding. We have crowdsourcing now. You know that? You know you can go on the internet and get your funding from the general public without any bias? You could go and get the studies you want done. You just got to let go of the hands of the masters that feed you. Stop going to the corporations who are just trying to be profitable. Stop going to the governments who are just trying to stay in power. Go to the public and say, what do you want to know? What do you need to know from us? Donate 20 bucks. All of you donate 20 bucks and we'll find out the answers for you. And look, if there aren't answers, we'll tell you the truth. If it turns out the hypothesis is bullshit, we'll say it was bullshit. You don't need to worry about it. The, people will fund anything, right? Crowdfunding is brilliant. You don't need to go to the corporations and the governments anymore. Fuck that. And if the scientific community puts this pressure on you, like you've got to be published in X number of journals or nobody's going to love you anymore, fuck them. Right? That doesn't mean you should pump out crappy studies funded by corporate corrupt fucking psychopaths. Go do the real work that you originally signed up for when you started your degree and you said, I'm going to change the world. Go do that work. Right? Stop being corrupted by the system. You don't have to play the game. You don't have to be in the system. The public's got your back. They will pay for this. And the thing is, if they pay for it and you're in direct communication with them with openness and humility, they'll trust you again. It already happens with businesses that use crowdsourcing and crowdfunding. You've got to understand your role in the education system. Those people coming out of high school that don't trust science, that's your fault, right? I did the science classes. Some of them were good. Some of them were shit. I didn't ever get to do a class in critical thinking. Why don't they do that in high school? That's your fault. If you want to have people come out well-educated about science, then you need to get a heavy hand in the scientific education system. You need to get heavier with the government and say, look, we ain't going to do your studies until you fix high school. So high school's broken. How can somebody come out of high school and not believe basic physics? How can somebody come out of high school and not be able to, off the top of their head, tell you what scientific method is? That's your guy's issue. That's your responsibility to fix that. Get into it. You have the power. Don't let it happen anymore. And your studies, they're so unfriendly to the layman. I mean, there's paywalls to even read them. Why? Why can't we read them for free if they're there to serve humanity? Do you really think the average layman, some bricklaying tradesman, is going to cough up cash to read a scientific study written in scientific study terms that he doesn't understand? No. What you need is a friendly public face of scientific journals. It's open. It's accessible, it's easy to read, it's written in a language that people understand, it just gives them the information they need with options to go deeper. It's already done by sciencedaily.com, I get their emails all the time, I get these like, they're like blog posts that summarize a finding, and it gives you all the relevant information but without being too tech heavy, without all the big words that I wouldn't understand, it's perfect. Why don't you do that more? Why is it that we have to go to corporate media? to get some weird, watered-down, heavily skewed version of the study and not even be sure it's a scientific study we're hearing about. We start clicking to find the original source, we can't find it. Why?
And I know what you'll say. A lot of scientists say this. Well, if you message me directly, I'll give you the study for free. We don't know that. I know that, but most people don't know that. And most people cannot be fucked doing that. Right? You have to work with the audience you've got. The audience you've got wants it simple and they want it delivered easily. You could do that. Your reluctance to do it is just arrogance. You're, you're shooting yourself in the foot. If you want people to believe you, you have to make it easy for them to understand you. If you can't do that, then maybe you don't understand it. So, I hope I was very clear. This is not an anti-science video. It is a telling off to the scientific community because they are fucking it up. Our world is in peril because scientists are not well trusted. I think that is not an overstatement. This pandemic should have been squashed nice and early, but it didn't require deception. It didn't require big pharma fucking corruption. Right? We didn't have to be like, hey, let's go get forced to do a Pfizer vaccine that somehow got pumped out in a couple of months. We don't understand why. And all the scientists and politicians are telling us to do it. Why on earth would we trust that? You really think we should trust that? We should trust a scientist and a politician and a pharmaceutical company holding hands saying, go buy our product. We're supposed to think that that's totally pure and trustworthy. You can do better than that, right? You need to do better than that. You've got a sacred obligation as a scientist and as a community of scientists to make the world a better place. If you don't like it, fucking quit. That's the obligation you've signed up for. You can't just do studies and hide behind your microscope and just hope that an uneducated population has an idea of what the fuck you're talking about. Because we don't. We don't. And because we don't, we're going to go listen to Joe Rogan instead, because he understands us and he talks to us like he respects us, right? We'll prefer that. And when you hold hands with politicians and big pharmaceutical companies, we just don't want to listen to you because you're not trustworthy, because they're not trustworthy. See, I actually do believe that despite the incidents of corruption throughout the years, scientists in general probably do have integrity. But how the fuck am I supposed to know which one does? How do I know that the rogue one isn't actually the whistleblower? Just because he's on Joe Rogan, does it mean that he's wrong? Or is he the only one who's right and the only one willing to tell us the truth? How am I supposed to know the difference when he's still got doctor in front of his name? When he has citations, thousands of them, when he's published in all these journals, you made him yours. How am I supposed to know not to trust him? until after the podcast when you suddenly bash him for not agreeing with the consensus how am i supposed to follow that thank you for listening i hope this reaches some scientists somewhere and they have the confidence to deflate their ego long enough to maybe go and reach out to someone on the other side of the fence and say how can i make this easier for you to understand if that happens i'd consider this video a success i don't have huge faith in it happening but I'm always open to being proven wrong because that's scientific.